You're listening to a sermon preached at University Presbyterian Church in Seattle, Washington. For more information, please visit our website, upc.org. Morning. Merry Christmas. I'm David, Ray's son, and I'm a senior at Ballard High School. Hi, I'm Ray. I'm David's dad. (laughs) And I'm a pastor here at University Presbyterian Church. And... My mom, Lavelle, and my daughter, Covey, are sitting right there in the third pew back. Would you please join me in saying, hi, Mom. Hi, Covey. Hi, Mom. Hi, Covey. And my mom, Liz, is working right now at Swedish Hospital. Would you join me in saying, hi, Mom. Hi, Hi, Mom. Mom. (laughs) She's listening on the radio. (laughs) Obviously, one of the joys of Christmas is unwrapping and opening the Christmas gifts we get. Opening presents. That is a big part of Christmas. The wise men opened their treasure chests and offered gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh for the baby Jesus. They brought birthday presents to show show respect and honor the Lord. Do you know why the wise men were so wise? Because they stopped in Bethlehem and asked for directions. I love it. 700 years before it happened, there was a prophetic prediction in the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, about where Jesus would be born. And then when it happened, Matthew later wrote about it. So let's take the Pew Bible you have in front of you or next to you and turn it to page 783. And we'll read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And we'll stand and we'll all read it in unison. And if you believe it after we've read it, you could say, thanks be to God. Let's stand and we're going to read chapter 2, verses 1 through 12 of Matthew's Gospel, page 783. Let's read together. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking... Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. When Herod secretly called for the wise men, and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising, until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star had stopped, 
they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The flowers fade, the grass withers, but the word of the Lord lasts forever. You may be seated. Please uh, bow and pray with me. Dear Lord, let the words of our mouths and the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. Our text says that the wise men wanted three things. And from our perspective in history, we can say they wanted three things for Christmas. They wanted to know... They wanted to go, and they wanted to give. Number one, they wanted to know where the newborn king was. They were like scientists committed to following every lead they could find. From their country in the east, they followed the star. And on the way, they stopped in Jerusalem, and they did ask some questions. Where is the child who is the newborn king? They didn't have GPS on their camels. But they did have God's own star in the night sky. And they were wise enough to ask questions. And when they did, the text says that the whole town of Jerusalem got involved. The town scholars found the answer to their question in the Old Testament scriptures. So the wise men got what they wanted to know from the Bible. It was like a divinely orchestrated baby shower just for men. And number two, the wise men wanted to go and to keep going until they found him. The scholars didn't seem to be interested. They stayed in Jerusalem. Dad, why didn't they go? Was it too far for them to make the long journey from Israel to Bethlehem? Or Jerusalem to Bethlehem? Well, good question, David. Why didn't they go? The distance from Jerusalem... To Bethlehem is only about five miles. That's like walking around Green Lake twice. Anybody could do that. It would only take two or three hours to get there. The wise men wanted to go, but no one else did. The people in Jerusalem missed out on seeing one of history's greatest events. The wise men wanted to see how God revealed himself as the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. But Jerusalem Set. They didn't just send a text message. They wanted to be there in person. But why did the song we sing start with the words, We Three Kings? It didn't say anything about them being kings, just wise men. The wise men wanted to go, and they did. Another good question, David. Why are they called kings? The answer is found in another Old Testament prophecy in Psalm chapter 70, verse 72, verses 10 to 11. There it says, May the kings of Tarshish render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba bring him gifts. May all the kings fall down before him. So that's why the wise men are called kings in the Christmas carol. The third thing the wise men wanted for Christmas was to give gifts. They wanted to express their allegiance for the newborn king. 
Well, that's what homage means in our text. So those are the three things the wise men wanted for Christmas. To know where Jesus was born, to go and see him, and to give birthday presents. They had their hope set on seeing the living God. And they were not content with seeing King Herod in Jerusalem, nor were they interested in going on to Rome to see Augustus Caesar. Today, we have similar ones. We want to know Jesus. We want to know where he has revealed himself. And we want to experience where he has shined his light on his people. We also want to give and receive Christmas gifts. (laughs) Hey, I'm for that one. Dad, I have another question. Why did the wise men bring gold and frankincense? I know what gold is. Today, a gold coin about the size of a quarter is worth around $350. That's a great gift. What about frankincense and myrrh? The text said that the wise men were overwhelmed with joy and knelt down and opened their treasure chests. Were frankincense and myrrh treasured gifts? Hey, if you Google the words frankincense and myrrh, what do you think you'll get? It says frankincense, a fragrant, sweet-smelling gum resin extracted from the Boswellia tree in Arabia that is used as incense and worship. Myrrh. A fragrant, sweet-smelling gum resin extracted from the camifera bush in the Arabian Peninsula used as a perfume and for medicinal purposes to relieve pain and swelling. Myrrh was also used in ancient times, especially by the Egyptians, in preparing a body for burial. Dad, what's gum resin? (laughs) Gum resin? Well, it's just a fancy name for sap taken from a tree. You cut the bark of a tree in a V, and the sap will drip down, and you can capture it in a container. And when it dries, it gets firm like chewing gum. And frankincense really smells good. I have some frankincense right here. Do you want to smell it? Sure. Hmm, yeah, does smell good. So frankincense is like a room freshener? Yeah, like a room freshener. You want to know where I got it? Where'd you get it? I bought it at a Christian bookstore in Wallingford. You could get some, too. (laughs) So you mean myrrh is like Old Spice? Yeah, myrrh smells good. I have some myrrh in this one. You want to smell it? Mm, Not not bad. (laughs) Ah, not as good as your mom's Chanel number 5. Well, in the time of Jesus, people believed that myrrh also had medicinal pain-relieving effects, just like our aspirin. Matter of fact, aspirin came from the willow bark, just like myrrh does. But that's for another sermon. Mark wrote in his gospel, Mark uh, chapter 15, verse 23, that while Jesus was carrying his cross, some bystanders offered Jesus wine mingled with myrrh to relieve his pain. Hmm, I didn't know that. And because myrrh smells so good, it was used as a fragrance to put in the linen cloths around the body in preparing it for burial. The disciple John wrote that Nicodemus put myrrh in the linen cloth he wrapped the body of Jesus in after he died on the cross. The disciple John wrote that in John chapter 19, verse 39. 
Now I'm going to put these on the table so that anyone can come up after the service and check out the fragrance and you can decide which one you think is best. Dad, the presents the wise men brought were precious and prophetic. Mary and Joseph could use the gold they got to finance their escape from Egypt from the wicked King Herod. He was so jealous of any other kings, including kings in his own family, he wanted to get rid of them all. Frankincense was used with Jesus taught in the temple, and his friends offered him myrrh when he had to carry the cross and when his body was prepared for burial. Those were some great gifts. You've been listening. <laughs> the presents of the wise men were great gifts. I'm glad they brought them and that our tradition of exchanging Christmas gifts has its roots in those presents that were brought for the baby Jesus. Dad, why are the wise men sometimes called magi? Good question. Magi is the Greek word that's translated as wise men, and sometimes some versions of the Bible simply leave it as it is, the magi. David and I believe that God wants all of us to be generous gift givers like the wise men. We think God takes great delight in seeing us exchange presents. It's a good thing. Most of the time. Well, some of the times it goes south. We could get too distracted or caught up in the commercialism of shopping, or our priorities get mixed up. But we try to do our best and give good presents to all the people on our gift list. Hey, it is fun. Imagine this morning, if you heard a knock on your door, and rather than the wise men from the east, it was three women who came to wish you a Merry Christmas. Imagine your surprise if the three women were Queen Elizabeth, First Lady Michelle Obama, and Oprah Winfrey. Talk about a surprise. <laughs> Imagine that Queen Elizabeth said, We came to wish you a Merry Christmas and tell you the good news that you belong to the royal family in the kingdom of God. And imagine the First Lady Michelle Obama said, We came to tell you the good news that you are part of the first family in the kingdom of God. Then Oprah Winfrey would say, Merry Christmas, we brought you some presents. The fact that Queen Elizabeth, First Lady Michelle Obama, and Oprah came to your door That'd make a great Christmas in and of itself, even without gifts. Think of the stories you could tell your friends. What kind of gifts would they bring? It wouldn't be just fruitcake, candy canes, or figgy pudding. No. What makes a gift a truly great gift? When we know the answer to that question, we also know what makes a bad gift. I kind of think that candy canes, fruitcake, and figgy pudding would end up in the not-so-good list. But once when Oprah Winfrey was leading her television audience and show, she gave everybody in the audience a new car. Look under your pews, a new car. <laughs> <laughs> we all know how to give each other a typical Christmas gift. We make something or wrap it, put a ribbon on it, and put it under the tree with a tag saying to or from. Yeah, so something like that has been going on all night and all day, and people get things like this, right? Stocking stuffers are a little different, but that's for another sermon. Oh, yeah. Well, gift-giving can be challenging, and it can be fun if we get the right present. 
It can be sad for those who have too high expectations. They can end up frustrated and grumpy. Spending too much on gifts can put some people in the debt, and they spend the rest of the year paying off their credit cards. Christmas and commercialism can be a bad mix or a good mix. It depends. How do we get it right? Yeah, what are the top ten things that make a gift truly great? Well, let's start with the wrapping. What's on the outside can make a difference. The wise men brought their gifts out of a treasure chest, and how we wrap a gift can make it really special. The wrapping? Oh, yeah. All Christmas presents are wrapped. A lot of the excitement is taking off the wrapping and seeing what's inside. That's how we do Christmas gifts. Kids do love to rip off the wrapping. They just rip it off. I saw uh, Alec do that the other night. When I was seven years old, my dad gave me and my two brothers sets of hand tools for Christmas. Hand tools for a seven-year-old? Yep. We got hammers, saws, wrenches, and two different kinds of screwdrivers. My dad was a carpenter. He wanted us to use those gifts. So the next year, he wrapped all of our Christmas presents in wooden boxes. He used heavy, thick plywood. That meant we had to use those tools to open our presents. We had to use the screwdrivers. Some were screwed together. We had to use our saws. Some were glued together. We had to use our hammers. Some were nailed together. We had to use our wrenches. Some were bolted together. Righty-tighty. Loosey-loosey. <laughs> Picture this. Seven-year-olds on Christmas morning with a bunch of tools opening their presents made of plywood. <laughs> well, my dad made it fun. Just the way our presents are wrapped can make Christmas very special and unforgettable. My wife Liz is a meticulous wrapper. She uses all shapes and sizes of bows and ribbons. She wrapped this one. It is a fine art. Yeah, I tell you. Some of us hate to throw away the really good wrapping and we want to use it again. Anyone in your family that way? Or ripping it off and recycling it. <laughs> On the other hand, wrapping can be very special and make the surprise factor great. On the other hand... Some of us don't really care about the wrapping. That's why it's number 10 on the list. Okay. But wait a minute. What's the most precious and unusual Christmas wrapping ever used? Oh, you mean like plywood? No, no, no. <laughs> What's the best wrapping anyone could use? Hint, think of the Christmas story. Swaddling clothes. Mary wrapped baby Jesus in swaddling clothes in a baby blanket. Ah, I get it. Okay, and that was after God gift-wrapped himself in the most precious wrapping ever. Human skin. God became a person. God put skin on became a baby. So that wrapping was truly great. I didn't even think of that. Uh, number nine on our list is timing. Timing can make or break a gift. It can make a great surprise. It can make a big difference. Timing is everything. Yeah, if someone gives you a late Christmas present in February, it kind of loses something. <laughs> or if someone forgets your birthday, that's bad timing. If your birthday is December 25th, 
that could kind of mess up your plans a little bit. Might miss out on a birthday party or two. Yeah, or just relocate it. <laughs> the right timing makes a difference. A surprise birthday party is always cool. My wife Liz gave me a surprise party when I turned 60. It was awesome. The Magi traveled a long distance from the east, from another country. It took a long time. They had hope in seeing the living, breathing God. So they didn't give up. And the leading of the star gave them more hope. Then the Bible answered the burning question, where is he? When a gift is given at the right time, in the fullness of time, in the Kairos moment, it will be very special. It could be a God thing. Paul writes in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, When in the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under law, in order to redeem those who are under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children, to know God as their Heavenly Father. Timing is important for every gift. Number eight is motive. If you give a certain gift and the motive behind it is love, the gift is precious, no matter what it is. It's the thought that counts. If the reason behind the gift is totally random and some stranger at school or work just picked your name out of hat, you might not value as much like a white elephant gift. <laughs> the Magi gave their gifts because they wanted to honor the baby Jesus. They were motivated by hope. They got down on their knees in humble respect because their greatest hope was fulfilled. The motive, the reason why you get the gift, is a key component in making a truly great gift. Next, number seven, is the receiver. If your brother got the gift that you wanted, you would be disappointed. But if you get it, then obviously you're going to think the gift is great. If the gift fits you physically and emotionally, it's a good gift. If it's a quadruple XL and you're a size small, that's not a good gift. <laughs> <laughs> color, too, could count. If it's not mom's color, she's going to be disappointed. Very disappointed. <laughs> the gift has to fit the receiver's persona personality. It has to be literally fitting in a number of ways. It, can be, it has to be age and stage appropriate for the receiver. The gifts the wise men were brought were timely and fitting. Number six is homemade. Grandma's homemade cookies are always a hit at Christmas. The fact that a certain gift was handmade and handcrafted by the giver makes the gift especially great. Yeah, here's a gift I got. It's a hand-carved statue of Moses that Mark Survey gave me. It's awesome. What makes it so special is that it's one of a kind. There's no nothing else like it. Fifteen years ago, Mona Han gave me these hand-stitched, tatted angels. There's also one above the nativity scene. They're on our Christmas tree every year. They're one of a kind. The gift God gave on Christmas was heavenly made, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Number five is the giver. The Magi were strangers to Mary and Joseph, but they were special. After all, they were kings from a foreign land. If you know the person who gives you the gift, that makes a big difference. A gift from your best friend is always special, even if it is a quadruple XL. <laughs> if you don't know who they are, you're left wondering and possibly suspicious. Or nervous. If wicked King Herod sent something for Mary to feed the baby Jesus, there would be a good reason to be suspicious because of the giver. 
Who gives a gift can make it great or not. Who it's from is key. Sometimes the giver alone puts it in a special category of awesome. Queen Elizabeth or Michelle Obama or Oprah Winfrey, a gift from them would be awesome. Number four is uniqueness. Yeah. If mom already has three identical flower vases and I give her one more just like it, she's going to be disappointed. It's not going to be a great gift. She may choose to exchange it or re-gift it. Dad, if you get another Christmas tie that looks like the ones you already have, it's not that great. But if you get a gift that's one of a kind, like your carving, it helps. It's special, like Moses. And when I gave Liz some mechanical pencils that I wanted on Christmas, she was not very happy. No, she was not. <laughs> but I loved them. <laughs> Number three is the wish factor, the want behind the gift, that you really want something. The fact that you want it makes the gift great, like an iPad or an iPhone or a laptop. What if you've read all the Harry Potter books and you've watched all the Harry Potter movies and you're a Harry Potter fan? And what if J.K. Rowling is knocking at your door this morning and she's there with the first edition of her books, all her movies, and they're all hand autographed by her? Wow. You not only get those high-priced books and movies, but you get to spend the day with her. Great person, great gift. Great motive, great desire, they all converge together. What if you're a baseball fan? And what if first baseman, formerly for the St. Louis Cardinals, <laughs> Albert Pujols, now with the L.A. Dodgers, or sorry, Angels, is standing at your door with an autographed baseball of his third home run in the World Series game. That would be awesome. What if you're a golfer and knocking at your door is... Arnold Palmer, with a brand new set of golf clubs, hand-designed and crafted just for you, for your size, that would be a truly great gift, an off-the-chart, wildest dream gate great gift, if you're a golfer. Number two is the need factor. What if the gift meets a truly deep need? What could be better than an iPod or golf clubs? Well, lots of things could be better if the gift meets a truly deep need. Oh, yeah. If what you need is a job, you've been unemployed for two years, and knocking at your door and standing in front of you is Bill Gates, and he wants you to work for him. That would be better than my job bagging groceries at Safeway, Dave Roar. <laughs> <laughs> That's an inside joke, sir. <laughs> or what if what you need is a lung transplant, like my friend Wayne Kohler? And the person knocking at your door is a lung donor. Wow, that would bring tears to your eyes. What if it's a couple who've tried for seven years to have a baby, and after three miscarriages and trying to adopt, the person knocking at their door is bringing their baby? Wow. And what if you, don't, you can't afford college, but someone comes to your door and offers you a full ride to a prestigious college? That would be amazing. Do you see where we're going with all of this? All the nine things so far point to number one, which is the gift itself. Imagine if all the top ten reasons for a truly great gift came true for you today. 
What if you got your deepest need, your wildest dream, and the timing and the giver and the motive were just right? That makes it a Merry Christmas. David, what if some of your friends come to our house on your 18th birthday, January 27th, with an armload of presents, they come in, they sit down, they exchange those gifts with each other, they light a bunch of candles, they sing a song, but you don't get a single gift. How would you feel? That's strange. I would feel left out and ignored. Well, Jesus told a story about how citizens in a kingdom cared for the poor, the hungry, and the homeless. And he explained that the point of the parable was that the good king welcomed the care for the poor, hungry, and homeless as care for him. He said, inasmuch as you cared for the least in my kingdom, you care for me. In essence, Jesus is saying that when we give a gift to someone, we're giving Jesus a gift. I understand that. When someone gives David a gift, I am thankful. I'm touched by it. When you give a good gift to someone, Jesus welcomes it. The kingdom of Jesus came to establish the, of redeemed relationships. He came to pay the price for our healing and our broken hearts and broken relationships. Dad, what is God's gift list? What does he want to give us? What is on God's gift list? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, so that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus is number one on God's gift list. And through the Holy Spirit, Jesus has given us the promise of having what the Bible calls the nine fruit of the Spirit. Jesus said that he is like a vine and we are like branches. And when we stay that close to him and are connected to his power, we get love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. The Apostle Paul was inspired to write that list when he wrote his letter to his friends in Galatia. And when we add the name of Jesus to that list, we get the beginning of God's gifts list. It's a perfect ten. Of those, which one do you need the most? Is it self-control or peace or patience or love? Or is it Jesus himself? I confess that I need more patience and I need to be more generous at times. We want to give each of you a gift. It's a Christmas card. Will our friends please start handing them out now? We want to wait, wait to open them till everyone has them. Have a pencil or pen ready so you can fill in the blanks on the card. So you're all going to get a gift. It's a reverse offering. Today I believe that Jesus is actually knocking at our door. It's his birthday gift and he has something to give us. So we all have something to receive. What he has to give is himself. And what each of us has to receive and give is ourselves. Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you and eat with you and you with me. Where is that in the Bible? That's Revelations chapter 30, verse 20. So as the offerings come by, take an envelope and hold it until everybody gets one, and we're going to read them and share them all together.
Imagine having Jesus sitting at your breakfast table this morning. That's what he wants spiritually, to be fully present in your life and heart day by day. Jesus has come to give himself. And through our relationship with him, he gives us the nine fruit of the Spirit. Today may be the first time for you to accept Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior. Nothing could be more important. Think of the timing, the gift, the giver, the receiver, the wrapping, everything. They're all happening today, right now. If you open the door and invite Jesus in. When there's a knock at your door, it's an opportunity to say, yes, come in. I want to welcome you for the first time today, December 25th, 2011. The timing is right. If you've already given your heart to Jesus, it could be that there's something else that Jesus wants from you today on his birthday. And you have a birthday gift to give to him. He has asked for your whole heart, your whole soul, all your strength and all your mind. Is there something that you have held back? Or it could be something that Jesus wants you to give up, like a bad habit. Is he asking for you to give up? Your negative thinking, perhaps your mind has some things that he wants to clear out and clean up, or is your heart sad? He wants to bring healing. Do you have a relationship that needs to be recharged? God wants to give you hope. And if you've been mean or disrespectful or a little crotchety with someone in this busy Christmas season, and you want to give that person love and kindness... That is giving them two very special gifts, love and kindness. They are on God's gift list for you to give. If you have been worried about and anxious about a problem such as unemployment or getting good grades at school or where you're going to college, you can take steps to release and not worry about that anxiety and have peace about it. That's a good gift to give yourself. If you or a loved one has been sad, Impatient, struggling financially or acting out of control, you can pray and take steps to solve those problems. Jesus wants us to have joy, peace, patience, and self-control. Now, we want you to, when, when you open your envelope, this is what you'll find. You'll find a Christmas card, and it has a little gold string on it. You could hang it on your Christmas tree, or you could put it in a book you're reading, or maybe in your Bible. And there's also a Christmas tag. Go ahead, start opening your gifts. There's also a separate gift tag that we would like you to fill out. It says, To Jesus, and you can sign your name on it. And after you've filled out the gift tag, we would like to invite you to come forward and put the tag in the manger and then return to your seats. The gift tag is a signal of the gifts you have received and will give in Christ's name. The best gifts don't come in boxes. They come in relationships. Sometimes what needs to be unwrapped is our hearts and minds. So you've opened the envelope, turned to the front page, and we'll read, David and I will read it to you. It says, Merry Christmas. How are you going to love what you get and give what you want? Listen, I am standing at your door, knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to you you only you can give god what he wants on christmas day it's you jesus alone can give you what you truly need it's him 
It's the greatest exchange ever. Invite him in. Now look at that part of the card that says, the top ten things that make a Christmas present truly great. A gift. Number ten, the wrapping. Who was wrapped in swaddling clothes after God gift-wrapped himself in human skin? Number nine, the timing. Who else could give you the time of your life and eternity? Number eight, the motive. God's love, pure and simple, inspires you to give. Number seven, the receiver. Nothing can make you make God love you less or more because you're number one in God's eyes. Number six, if it's homemade, conceived by the Holy Spirit. And number five, the giver. If there's any, is there any giver greater than God? Number four, its uniqueness, your salvation, is one of a kind, just for you. And number three is the wish factor. What do you want most of all? See number two. Number two, the need factor. What is your greatest need? Number one, it's the gift itself, Jesus. So let's stop there in our reading. In a moment, we're going to fill out the little separate gift tag. So take a pencil and get ready to mark it. But before you do, I want to lead all of us in a prayer. And I'd like you to say the words that I say so that someone who's here for the first time and wants to give their life to Jesus could also say that prayer and not feel like they're the only one. So I'm going to say a prayer word by word, and I'd like you to echo it. All right? Let's bow in prayer. Say, Dear Jesus. Thank you for being here for me today. Happy birthday. Please come into my life. I want you to be my Christmas gift today. I want to be your Christmas gift today. I accept you as my friend and my Lord and Savior. Please accept me into your kingdom family. I want the power from you to produce the nine fruit of the Spirit. In my life and in my relationships. Amen. Now take this, the gift tag itself and follow along as I read it. Have a pen or pencil ready to mark it. The tag says, To Jesus, thank you for giving me life. Today on your birthday, I am giving you my heart for the first time. Put an X there if that's true for you. Or my promise. You might write words like a promise to be more empathetic, to listen, to be less critical, to let go of resentment, to volunteer at the food bank. Write your promise. And the next one, you might check, I give you my gratitude. You may want to write words like family, friends, or church, or the gifts you got today. The next on the tag says, I received the assurances I am in your kingdom's royal family because I am a child of God. I'm not alone. Put an X there if that's true for you. 
And thank you for the nine fruit of the Spirit. That adds up to a perfect ten. I want you to underline one of the fruit that you would like to give more. And I want you to put a star by one um, that, that you need. Follow those directions. I confess that I need more generosity, so I underline that one. And I want to give more joy, so I put a star by that one. So fill out the name tag. Then when directed, we want you to come forward and put your gift tag in the manger, come down the center aisles, and then go back up the side aisles. And those of you in the balcony are like the wise men. You've got a long ways to come, but do it. Come down the center aisle, back up the side aisles, and return to your seats as we sing, O Come All Ye Faithful. After the benediction, you may want to come back up to the table if you want to smell the frankincense and myrrh. For chocolate fans, you can take some chocolate gold cover coins. Enjoy. And you may have a prayer request. You could come forward and share that as well. Fill out your gift tag and be ready to come to the center aisle starting here. and Put your tag in the manger and return to your seats. Let's sing, O Come All You Faithful. For more UPC audio or to find out about service times, visit us at upc.org. All online audio is available on CD and cassette. To order copies of sermons and classes, please visit upc.org slash audio, email audio at upc.org, or call 206-524-7301, extension 117.